Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Monday episode for week 17 of the 2024 NBA season. I am your host, Karsten. Welcome back to the show, or welcome to the show, uh, both new listeners as well as our previous listeners. We uh, just want to express our appreciation and thank you for supporting the show. Um, yeah, we've got a good amount to get through today. We will skip over uh, DEFCON levels as I'm running a solo episode today. No, Wyatt. Um, the simple fact of the matter is I did not do a great job of a communicating with Wyatt on a time frame for today and B um, getting this episode started in a timely manner. And so we're getting this done a little bit late Monday night. And so we're running it solo. We'll do it real quick. We'll recap this last weekend of action, uh, both games and news, as well as uh, our latest updates for power rankings, MVP, um, as well as the forecast of the upcoming games right before the all-star weekend. That's of course the talking point, but let's go ahead and get started with uh, our, our game summaries and news. <laughs> All right, here we go. Five on five drill again, the five, uh, games that we wanted to focus on a little bit more in detail. And I do apologize real quick before we get started. My voice probably sounds fine. Uh, I am still dealing with some malingering uh, symptoms from, of course, I mentioned strep a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've had a cough. I've had a, just a dry throat. Um, I've tried hydrating with various fluids throughout the day. Uh, for the last several days, it's just something that has lingered. Um, it's to a point where I'm thinking, you know, maybe I need to see a doctor in person. Um, but it's also, I am getting better each day. So the basic plan now is give it another few days. If I'm really not feeling great uh, by the end of this week, then I'll probably go in. But anyways, sorry, off topic. Let's go ahead and start with uh, Friday night, and we're going to start with the Kings, Sacramento Kings hosting the Denver Nuggets. Uh, big win and a big game against, uh, you know, you have the matchup of two of the league leaders in triple doubles. Uh, going into this game, Nikola Jokic was 16, led the league right behind him with 15, Demonis Sabonis. Also, the two big men uh, kind of showcasing, hey, the, the big man has really come back in vogue in a big way. And these two guys uh, on some great Western conference teams, really evident of that. But again, yeah, Kings able to get the win at home, 135 to 106, your final score. Uh, Sabonis and Jokic, certainly the focal point. Uh, but again, two great teams regardless. As far as the flow of the game, um, no one led by double digits until kind of the end of the first half. The, the Kings took that lead and then third quarter, they were able to build on that going into the fourth, and uh, from there they kind of sealed away the game. They outplayed the Nuggets in the rebounding category, the assists, uh, and shot much better percentages from the floor, shooting about 15% better from three, 12% better from the floor overall, um, and 88% from the free throw line versus 71 for the Nuggets. So a lot of factors there. Uh hindered the Nuggets as well as aided the Kings. As far as box score for the Nuggets, um, Nicole Jokic, 23 points, eight boards, seven assists with three steals. Solid all-round game. They got uh, 14 from Aaron Gordon, 13 off the bench from Christian Brown, 
uh, 12 for Jamal Murray, 10 for Justin Holiday. Uh, Jokic, not the highest scoring game, and even outside of him, uh, not a ton of great offensive production. Um, they shot about 35% from three, 46 from the floor. Not the worst shooting percentages, um, but just not enough to to get it done, I suppose. And, and the Kings were much more efficient offensively, uh, starting with their sixth man, Malik Monk off the bench, 23 points for him. They got 17 from both Demata Sabonis as well as Keegan Murray. Sabonis, of course, also had 17 rebounds and 10 assists, tying Jokic for the league lead in triple doubles. Um, actually, he might have it might have been tied before that. I but um, and this was the game he took the lead. Either way, um, impressive numbers, right up there with Jokic for for most triple doubles. Um, stellar stuff. They got 15 with 10 assists from De'Aaron Fox, who also had five steals, living up to the Swiper name, uh, nickname that is. 15 off the bench as well for Trey Lyles, 11 off the bench for Alex Len, and then 12 points for Kevin Herter. Um, you know, no one else on the Kings had a, a higher scoring game than Jokic, but more guys had, you know, a little bit higher scoring games as far as more guys in double figures. So that was a little bit of what made the difference there. But um, again, a nice win for Sacramento. They've been better at times, worse at times this season. Some some of that is true of Denver as well. But consistently up to this point in the season, Denver's been higher in the standings. Um, that gap has closed a touch, um, but still big win for them. And again, the statistical impressiveness of Sabonis uh, being in that category with a Nikola Jokic. Excuse me. Uh, impressive stuff. So that's our first game for Friday. The other game for Friday we wanted to dive into a little bit more deep was the Los Angeles Lakers hosting the New Orleans Pelicans, winning 139 to 122 in Los Angeles with some impressive offense. Of those 139, 139 points, 119 of them came from the five starters for the Lakers, which is hugely impressive. We'll get into the finer details there in just a moment. Um, as far as box score for the Pelicans, they were led by Zion Williamson. Strong game, 30 points, nine boards, five assists, a steal and a block. And then Brandon Ingram, 22 points with seven boards, seven assists, three blocks. Uh, those two guys, you know, really brought it. McCollum wasn't bad either, 19 points. Uh, they got 13 from Herb Jones and then 10 points, 10 boards, two blocks from Jonas Valanciunas. Um, but when you compare that to what the Lakers were able to do, uh, certainly pales in comparison. They were led by D'Angelo Russell, 30 points with five assists, six of 13 from three-point range. Then Austin Reeves, 27 points, uh, three of four from three-point range, 67% from the floor overall, 21 each from both Roy Hachimura as well as LeBron James, uh, LeBron also with 14 assists. Hachimura, 69.2% from the floor. And then he topped off with Anthony Davis, 20 points, six boards, six assists, a steal and a block as well. Um, phenomenal numbers. As a team, they shot 55% from the floor, 45% from three, lights out offense. And again, all five starters with 20 or more points. First time in the Lakers franchise history since 1984, a very elite Lakers company to be in with some of those 80s teams. 
Additionally, the first time that's happened in the league since 1993, the Orlando Magic uh, versus the Atlanta Hawks. I believe it was the Magic that did it in that particular matchup. But, excuse me, unbelievable that it's been that long uh, going on 30 years since that type of a a stat has been reached, uh, 31 years, I guess, at this point. Um, so pretty incredible production. They had 87 first half points, which is a franchise best since 1997. Um, and they kind of needed it too. Cause outside of that, their, their highest bench score was Christian Wood, nine points, uh, six points for Jackson Hayes. It's not, not completely terrible, but those starters really carried the production. Um, and it's very encouraging. You know, of course we talked about with the trade deadline, the Lakers lack of moves was going to be a talking point. Um, and it would be very interesting to see how the team responds following that. Um, I think it has a chance to be uh, very positive in the sense that D'Angelo Russell had a great run of games before the trade deadline that kind of cemented his value to the Lakers and a chance to stay there and, and finish the season, show what he can do to help this team be a winning team. Um, they seem to have found maybe a, a lineup that works a touch better together with Hachimura starting and Reeves as well. Um, the bench question, <laughs> excuse me. The bench question is perhaps something to, to watch out for. And they may have addressed that. We'll get to that in our news in just a moment, but uh, for the moment, you know, th- that's a big response after a trade deadline that probably had mixed reactions from the fans, maybe a little more concerned than not. Um, but if they can put up this kind these kind of numbers going forward, we could see a big positive turn and some great momentum for the Lakers. So that's the other Friday game we want to talk about. Uh, the other games from Friday night, uh, the Atlanta Hawks won in Philadelphia against the 76ers, 127 to 121. Uh, of course, no MB, definitely a factor there. Trey Young, 37 points, 12 assists, uh, claims the sole fifth spot in that 30 assist or 30 point rather. 10 assists, five three-point made. Um, I think that was the stat. Players with those types of games, or at least multiple games of that category, fifth most in that category. Um, so very impressive. The Toronto Raptors won at home against the Houston Rockets, uh, 107 to 104. Huge lead that was narrowly uh narrowly held on to. Um, so credit to the Raptors for hanging on, but also great fight shown by the Rockets. Uh, the Boston Celtics won narrowly at home against the Washington Wizards, 133 to 129. Jason Tatum, 35 points, 10 boards, 8 assists, near triple-double there. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks won big at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 120 to 84. Uh, Lillard with 26 and 8 assists in that game. And that is it for the other Friday games. Excuse me. Let's jump to Saturday, and we start with uh, a matchup of Teams, well, one team struggling a bit more, another team that's faltered in the last few months compared to a hot streak they had early. Um, but an overtime affair in Orlando between the Magic and the visiting Chicago Bulls. The Magic able to come out on top, 114 to 108, your final score there. Franz Wagner, a big part of that success. Um, as far as the flow, Magic held the lead for the whole first half. Uh, Bulls took a lead in the third quarter and then the lead was taken back from them in the fourth back and forth affair to that extent. Um, only a few lead changes, but there was kind of that sense. Oh, 
Magic took a narrow lead at the end of the fourth. It'd be interesting to see how, you know, it, it was going to end up. And then it was DeRozan uh, with a late shot to force overtime where the Magic took the lead again. And at that point, never relinquished it. So, um, you know, credit to the the overtime fortitude of the Magic squad. As far as the box score for the Bulls, it was DeRozan leading them in scoring 28 points, four boards, four assists. They got 26 points along with 17 rebounds, three steals, and a block in Orlando from the former Magic man, Nikola Vucevic. So those two combining for a pretty impressive game. Outside of them, Eud uh, Somu had 19 points starting alongside Kobe White, 14.7 assists, two steals. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and then Alex Caruso, nine points, eight boards, four blocks, and a steal starting at forward along with DeMar DeRozan. Uh, there's a little bit of a small ball lineup there. Chicago's done that a lot over the last few seasons, smaller lineups. But uh, again, Orlando, Franz Wagner leading them with 36 points in this game. How about Wagner? 30 points in three of his last four games, uh, really turning up the scoring a notch, five of 12 from three-point range, shooting at a 42% clip there. Along with him, uh, Paolo Bencaro, 19 points, eight assists, and seven boards for the first-time All-Star this season. Um, it was 14 points off the bench for Cole Anthony, who also had 11 rebounds. Jonathan Isaac, 12 rebounds, three blocks, and a steal, and then 13 points for Jalen Suggs. Isaac, a huge part of their defensive identity, especially coming off the bench, and I'm glad to see him um, being able to produce to that level. And defense, a big part of the win in overtime. In that overtime frame, the Bulls were held to just 25% shooting from the floor. And uh, and then you give it to Wagner, who can score, Bancaro, of course. Um, there's maybe you'd want a, a, a touch more offense in terms of Orlando. You know, they don't have a huge third score outside of maybe Cole Anthony off the bench. Um, but guys like Wendell Carter, uh, Jalen Suggs, Margot Fultz, none of them are huge scorers outside of, you know, to go along with Bancaro and Wagner. So a small concern, but still big one for them against the Bulls team, <clears throat> toughing it out. Um, again, they've slipped, but they're starting to maybe get a little bit more consistency. Uh, Carter's back in the lineup. And so I'm interested to see what Orlando can do as they look to lock up uh solid playoff positioning uh, come April and May. Uh, at the end of the season. So that's our first Saturday game. Let's also talk about uh, the most talked about play uh, of the last weekend, certainly. Uh, the Golden State Warriors hosting the Phoenix Suns and escaping on a Stephen Curry game winner that adds to his legacy of multiple things, three-point shooting, de- uh, deep shooting, clutch moments, celebrations, all those kind of things. Uh, magical stuff from Curry. Uh, again, one thirteen to one twelve. Your final score. Um, talk about back and forth affairs. Twenty one lead changes in this game. Most of those coming uh, in the late second quarter onwards. Um, the game was tied at sixteen different points. No one led by more than seven in this game. The Warriors did have the advantage though in the rebounding numbers as well as the assists. Um, they also shot much better from three, um, but they overcame. Free throw discrepancy. They shot 54.5% from the free throw line. The Warriors did compared to the Suns, 93.8. Definitely a big gulf, but credit to the Warriors for being able to overcome 
that type of discrepancy. As far as box score goes, um, the Suns led by Devin Booker, 32 points, six assists, four rebounds. And then Kevin Durant, 24 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists with two blocks and a steal as well. Uh, Booker, a steal and a block. So both those guys, multifaceted games, kind of underrated. Of course, we we focus on the offense with them, but they can do a lot of things to impact the team. Bradley Beal, 15 points, six boards, five assists, two steals, um, and then 10 points from Grayson Allen. Otherwise, no other double-figure scores for the Suns. Uh, so still leaning on the star power uh, a bit heavily in this game. Meanwhile, for the Warriors, Steph Curry doing his own putting the team on his back, semblance of yeah, that type of performance, 30 points with 9 of 16 shooting from three-point range, shooting 56% in the game. He also had nine boards, six assists. Uh, very impressive. They got 21 points from Jonathan Kaminga, of course, who's been um high note for them over the last month or so. Uh, they got 15 from Draymond Green, who started at center in this game, who also had nine assists, seven rebounds. 12 points for Andrew Wiggins. And then off the bench, uh, Gary Payton II had 11 points. And then Brandon Pajemski had 10 points, 8 boards, 7 assists. I think that's been the thing that Golden State fans are happy to see with Pajemski. He's put up some nice scoring performances, but he's also been very active rebounding and distributing the ball. I think multifaceted game uh, is very exciting to see from a rookie-type player. But again, it was the Curry game winner. Uh, inbound down two with just a few seconds remaining. He catches at a an awkward angle. The inbounder threw a great pass. He turns around, launches the three, drains it. Not quite swish, but it was very pure. Um, and seven-tenths of a second remaining. Mike Breen was on hand for the call with an NBA you know, primetime Saturday night matchup. I want to say it was either ABC or ESPN. So uh, big audience for this type of game, as you'd expect, Curry versus the former teammate in Durant and gets a huge game winner. This brought the Warriors back to 500 uh, break even point as many wins as they had losses for the first time since Christmas. So they've started to finally bring the dial back up in the positive direction. Um, and again, just to add on to the, what Curry was able to do is it, and, you know, carrying the team as a star and then also hitting the game-winning shot. He's a league leader in clutch scoring this season by a large margin, as far as total points and you know final two minutes, three minutes. I forget the exact parameters, but more importantly, he's the league leader in game winners in the final five seconds of a game since 2013. So both this season, he's still been stellar, but he's been doing this basically his whole career. And uh, with the Warriors struggling, we aren't talking about it as much, but he has not really slowed down in his production. And uh, he does it again. Big win against a, a tough Sun squad. Uh, that's it for the, the two Saturday games we wanted to dive into. Your remaining games for Saturday night, uh, one that we definitely could have talked about, the Dallas Mavericks won big at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 146 to 111. Hugely impressive. Luka with 32 points. Eight boards, nine assists, near triple double, but also the debut for um, you know the new look Mavs in that game, uh, Washington and Gafford getting their opportunity to play for the Mavs. They had the highest scoring first quarter in franchise history in that game. So 
a very hot start for their new additions. Again, Wyatt and I talked about it. We like those moves for them. Be interesting to see how it pans out long term. Uh, next, the LA Clippers won at home against the Detroit Pistons, one twelve to one hundred six. They actually trailed going into the fourth quarter, but during the fourth quarter, they went on a twenty nine to nine scoring run to take the lead and seal the victory against the Pistons that have shown a lot of fight over the last couple of weeks. Um, the Brooklyn Nets won at home against the San Antonio Spurs, one twenty three to one hundred three. Your final there. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers won in Washington against the Wizards, 119 to 113, ending a four game losing streak they had been dealing with. So, positive momentum there. The Charlotte Hornets won at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 115 to 106. Um, Seth Curry's debut for the Hornets, and I apologize that I didn't even think about this. Seth Curry in Charlotte with the Hornets where Del Curry, his dad played. And of course it was Steph. If it was Steph, maybe for whatever reason, it maybe would have come to mind a little more quickly, but um, Curry in Charlotte with the Hornets and he is wearing number 30, of course, which is what his dad wore there. Um, His dad also on the call, the color commentator for the Hornets. Very cool stuff. uh, Regardless of how the Hornets are doing this season, those storylines are always a great boost. Um, and so fun moment for a, a proud basketball family and a basketball family that's achieved a lot. Um, Steph, of course, the most accomplished, but Dell, a great player in his own right. And Seth has had prominent moments too. So um, next, the Cleveland Cavaliers won in Toronto against the Raptors, 119 to 95. That is Cleveland's ninth straight win, the 17th win in their last 18 games. Absolutely on fire. And we'll have a bit more to talk about with Cleveland especially in our power rankings. Uh, the Indiana Pacers won in New York against the Knicks in the rivalry matchup, 125 to 111, your final score there. Halliburton, 22 points, 12 assists. Miles Turner with a perfect shooting night, 9 of 9 from the floor in that game. Next, the Atlanta Hawks won at home against the Houston Rockets, 122 to 113. Uh, for the Rockets, Jalen Green, his first career triple-double, not enough to overcome Atlanta's and uh, their recent good momentum, six wins in their last eight games, also very impressive. Uh, and then finally, last game from Saturday night, the New Orleans Pelicans won in Portland against the Trailblazers, 93-84, to 84, low-scoring game. Um, and a big turn for the, the Pelicans after giving up 87 in the first half against the Lakers. They only gave up 84 for the whole game against the Trailblazers. Um, definitely learning from the, the game film and your – you know, what you did wrong in the last game and, uh, you know, making sure you don't do it in the next game. So big stuff there. As far as Sunday night, only two games, of course, the first of those being uh, the last game we'll focus on more in depth, the Boston Celtics in Miami against the heat, big rivalry of the last while, actually a decade or more. Um, But the Celtics come out on top in Miami, 110 to 106, your final score there. Um, I, you know, the Celtics led the whole way after the first quarter, but it was always close. I mean, they had a couple of double digit leads, but it was never a game that was out of reach for Miami. And it was actually within uh, one or two scores in the final moments, but uh, Celtics able to stave off those rallies. Um, the heat were led by Bam Adebayo, uh, his double, double 22 points, 13 boards, two blocks, two steals. Tyler hero led them in scoring with 24 points. Um, they got 15 from both Caleb Martin as well as Duncan Robinson 
uh, his points coming off the bench. And then 13 from the newest Miami Heat member, Terry Rozier. But for the Celtics, it was um, Jason Tatum, 26 points, 10 boards, 9 assists, just barely missing the triple-double there. 25 and 9 boards for Chris Porzingis. 20 points, 9 boards for Jalen Brown, and then 15 points for Drew Holiday. Um, both teams having some struggles shooting well, especially more Miami. Uh, Boston shot pretty well, uh, except for the free throw line a bit off, but um, – yeah, Boston shot better as a team, uh, certainly factor. But uh, yeah, I mean Boston continues to to win, and they they've swept the season series against the Heat, three games to zero. So that is very impressive against a, a Heat team that, despite an off you know on on and off season, they're they're always potent no matter what. Um, and then the other game, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder won at home against the Sacramento Kings, 127 to 113. Demonis Sabonis with his 17th triple-double. If he didn't secure it the game before, he certainly secured it here. He's the league leader in triple-doubles now, 17 of them. And that's also his fourth triple-double in the last five games. Very impressive. But again, it was the Thunder that win this game. Shagildas Alexander, he scored 38 points in the game. That is his 38th game with 30 or more points, which leads the league in that specific stat or category. So um, hugely impressive stuff, couple of league leaders and stats to close out Sunday night. And that takes care of our game summaries. All right. As far as our key news is concerned, we're going to start with, again, a lot of transactions, still some ripple effects from the trade deadline. And we'll start with a big one, alluded to it a little bit, the Los Angeles Lakers signed guard Spencer Dinwiddie. They were able to get him with their, uh, I think it was mid-level exception, something like that. And so they add him to likely the the bench, some scoring off the bench. So we'll see if that is a big enough addition for them in the wake of, a again, a very quiet trade deadline. Um, so that was the big one, as well as the Charlotte Hornets, uh, they finally officially made the contract buyout on Kyle Lowry. He becomes a free agent. This hasn't officially happened yet as far as his next team, but the report is from multiple sources that Kyle Lowry will sign with his hometown team, the Philadelphia 76ers. Of course, he also went to Villanova. So a lot of ties to Philadelphia and Pennsylvania Uh, makes a lot of sense in that regard, but also Philly, a team that wants to bring in help to to stay afloat with Embiid out uh, for the time being. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, big a couple of big dominoes falling in the buyout market there. Uh, some other moves made. The Oklahoma City Thunder signed center Bismack Biombo. Uh, so they add to that veteran presence as well as a little bit of front court depth. The Toronto Raptors signed both forward Justice Winslow and uh, big man Mohamedou Gouet to a 10-day contract, Either the, both of them with 10-day deals. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies signed guard Jordan Goodwin to a 10-day contract, as did the Cleveland Cavaliers signing guard Zaire Smith to a 10-day deal. The Detroit Pistons signed forward Tosan Uoma to a 10-day contract, and the New York Knicks signed, uh, re-signed rather, Taj Gibson to a 10-day contract, so they keep him on board. Uh, for another couple weeks or so. Um, <clears throat> back to the Thunder, they also signed guard Adam Flagler to a two-way contract to replace the two-way spot vacated by Lindy Waters. 
in his converted contract. Uh, the Miami Heat waived guard R.J. Hampton. That's the move that was made to f- to clear up the spot that was then filled by Alondis Williams that we reported last time. Um, and yeah, those are the transactions lately. Again, Dinwiddie and Lowry. We still are waiting on a couple of moves as far as guys like Danilo Gallinari. Um, but we'll, of course, keep you updated on any moves that happen there. The remaining news, uh, Charlotte Hornets president of basketball operations, Mitch Kupchak, is going to be moving into an advisory role, which means the Hornets are now beginning an immediate search for a new general manager, president of basketball ops. Um, the talk is they're going to try and do that before the end of the season even. Uh, so Kupchak can still kind of do the duties of GM um, for the time being. But once they fill the spot, he'll be able to move full on into an advisory role. So that's the news for Charlotte. For Miami, of course, with our game summary from Sunday, we, of course, noticed Butler was not part of those stats listed. Uh, Jimmy Butler's on a leave of absence, uh, unfortunate news, following a the, a death in, in his family, um, was granted permission to uh, miss the game against the Celtics on Sunday. Uh, there's no timetable for when exactly he'll be back in the lineup. Of course, they have a couple more games this week. <laughs> Excuse me couple more games this week before the all-star weekend um so we'll see what that timeline is but at the moment the most important thing of course is for him to to take the time to pay respects to whoever it is that has passed uh give him the opportunity to have space to to deal with that and we're certainly wishing the best as he uh, deals with that situation uh final note a little more positive uh nba players of the week announced donovan mitchell in the eastern conference and Luka Doncic in the Western Conference. Congratulations to both of them. We'll talk about them with our weekly MVP discussion. But for now, it's time to shift focus and move into our latest power rankings. Power rankings. All right, again, we're going to do this kind of the way I've done it for the last few weeks. Um, I'll talk big movers outside of the top 10, and then we'll dive into the top 10 itself. Falling out of the top 10, the Philadelphia 76ers fell two spots to number 11, as did the Sacramento Kings. They're now at 12. One and three. I maybe shouldn't have had the Kings fall as much as the Sixers. Of course, Sixers without Embiid. Um, But the Kings have gotten great production from Sabonis and other guys and their consistency. And this has been a talking point all year. They have weeks where they, you know, a couple weeks in a row where they go six and one over that span, seven and one, seven and two. And then we'll have a week or two where they go one and three or, you know, two and two or uh, one and two. And they, they just can't build the long-term win streaks. They don't have very lengthy winning streaks. And so, I wish they were a little more consistent. I haven't fallen back out. Won't be surprised if they jump back in for a couple weeks. Anyways, and then Philly, of course, again, injury troubles. Dallas moves up two spots to number 13. They were 4-0. And again, the big moves they made are part of that, but also 4-0 week. Certainly, you got to move them up. They have a chance. I feel like they could make a run and, and take one of those top 10 spots. Um, otherwise, Indiana and Orlando, despite going 2-1, and one, they both kind of had to fall because Dallas had made such an impressive run. Um, It was really just a numbers game at that point. Excuse me. 
and then Lakers Heat staying the same around 16, 17. Golden State, the biggest riser this week, up three spots, a 4-0 week, up to 18, displacing the Jazz, who moved down to 19. Again, Warriors 4-0. They're 6-1 over the last two weeks. Back to 500, and Curry's still playing great. We'll see what they're able to do. Um, not a big mover at the trade deadline as well, um, but it'll be interesting. Chicago moved up two to number 20. Uh, Atlanta fell, Houston fell. And then at the bottom group, swapped some teams again. Hornets moved up against, uh, moved higher than the Spurs. Pistons, I moved back to the penultimate spot. Wizards back to the bottom spot. Um, despite a, a close game against Boston, they were 0-3, whereas the Pistons were 2-1. A winning record in the week for Detroit. They had to move back up for me. Um, but again, it, it is very close between those two teams. Um, but that's outside of the top 10. Let's jump into the top 10, starting with number 10. Up two spots. I have the New Orleans Pelicans. They were three and one in the week. Um, and there's not much more I can say than what we've already talked about with the Pelicans. You know, I like their versatility and their different types of players in the starting lineup. And they have a lot of star level players as far as former all-stars, future all-stars players that have been all-stars with Pelicans players that maybe were snub as snubs for all-stars. Um, I don't know if that quite happened this season, but um, they've got a good mix. They're getting healthier. They're healthier than they've been for a while. I like them at 10 at nine, the Phoenix suns, two and one, that one loss to golden state. If they didn't lose that game, I probably could have moved them up as high as eight or even seven. Um, just because again, talent is a big thing. Durant with Beal and Booker. There's still concerns with the depth, um, but they, they address that a bit with the Royce O'Neal move. Um, they could maybe make one or two other moves as far as free agents, buyout market, um, but I like them at nine right now. At eight, no change. Milwaukee Bucks, even though they were one and two, debated dropping them more. But um, they made some moves to try and add, you know, defense. And I feel like they're not going to fall too much farther. They'll hover at least at eight, maybe have a chance to try and move up. At seven, New York Knicks, one and two. They stayed the same. Um, they faltered, but they had such a lengthy run. Um I'm going to keep them there for the time being. They're still a very potent team. And again, trade deadline, they brought in bench help that I figure is only going to make them better in the long run. At number six, falling out of the top five for first time in a while, if not the first time this season. Um, although I want to say it happened earlier in the year. Yeah, it did. Around week eight, week nine, I did drop them out. But falling back out again, the Denver Nuggets, they were one and one in the week, um, but they just, again, haven't been as hot as other teams that moved up ahead of them. Um, also falling to the fifth spot, down three spots, which is probably harsher than what I should have done, but we're going to stick with it. The Oklahoma City Thunder were one and two. Really, again, it's the teams ahead of them have been hot for so long that the Thunder, even though they've just slipped a touch, they kind of need to fall a little bit. Um, because they're not the best team over the last month. Uh, they're not one of the top four or five teams over the past month. And so I think that makes sense in that regard. At number four, up two spots, the the lengthiest winning streak right now, the Cleveland Cavaliers were 4-0. Um, 
they've earned this spot. And again, they're, they're even more healthy. They have all-star and near all-star talent back in Mobley and, and Garland. Struess is playing great. They have a good depth situation going on. I like Cleveland a ton there at number four. Also at three, I like this team, the Los Angeles Clippers. Two and one, they've had a couple more losses in recent weeks, but they're still playing great. They're right in that mix for the number one seed in the Western Conference. At two, another team in that mix, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They were one and one. They managed to move up one spot. Maybe they could have kind of stayed the same Clippers ahead of them. Um, But Minnesota has had the the season-long advantage over the Clippers. And so for that, I keep them there. And then Boston at number one, still no surprises. 3-0 and week, first team to 40 wins this season. Um, not much more you can really argue. Depth, star power, defense, coaching success, um, front office success. They've got everything on firing on all cylinders. Um, at the moment, they should be favorites for a championship, really. If you're talking about season-long, what teams have done, Boston has to be the favorite at this point in the year in terms of likeliest championship. You know, they've been the best team in the regular season. They have depth. They have Peyton Pritchard, who's nearly making two half-court buzzer beaters in the same game. Um, there's not much more you can ask from them. And so they hold the number one spot in our latest power rankings. And again, um, I'm we're getting down to the, the final stretch, of course. All-Star Weekend this very weekend is going to be uh, the last big checkpoint before the stretch run. And we really start talking about um, the race for seeds and, and home court advantage, play-in spots, who's going to miss the play-in tournament. Uh, and... We're getting down to the wire, and it's very exciting stuff. Um, So that's it for our power rankings. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment. Again, no DEFCON levels because I can't really bounce ideas off anyone else here. So let's go ahead and jump into our weekly MVP. Weekly MVP. Right. And again, I will be honest, I have kind of made the pick already. I'll give props to our candidates this week. The 10 total candidates we selected, Luka Doncic, DeMar DeRozan, Kristaps Porzingis, Jaden Ivey, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Franz Wagner, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Jason Tatum, and Anthony Davis. Shout out to Jaden Ivey for putting the Pistons in a winning position and putting himself in a category like this. Um as we posted on our social platforms, again, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to check us out. Um, we highlighted the central di- central division with DeRozan, Mitchell, as well as Ivy for potential MVP candidates. And they all put themselves in this top group. Um, players of the week and Doncic and Mitchell in here as well. Great list of candidates. Um, Luca, the near triple-double average for a 4-0 week. Hard to argue against him. Um, he was one of the top candidates. Um, Christoph Porzingis, great for a 3-0 week, 30 points on 
and nearly 90% free throw shooting. Um, you know, Kevin Durant, nearly a 27 and 10 average, uh, struggled from three a bit, but Steph Curry with the game winner, 27 points, also 50, 50, uh, bit of a free throw struggled four and a week for them. Curry and Doncic were probably the two runners up, but for a winner, I felt like this was the best all round choice as well as a recent week's pick Donovan Mitchell because of what Cleveland has done over the last couple of weeks that aids his case, but more importantly, his stats over the last week, a four and a week for them, 28 points a game, five boards, five assists, pretty well rounded there. Um, Two steals a game and one block a game. So defensively, very impressive stuff. 54% from the floor, 46 from three, as well as 100% from the free throw line. And I felt like that was a great thing to highlight. A lot of other guys had mixed free throw percentages, but Mitchell made all his free throws across the four games. Um, They were a plus 13 just about with him on the on the floor. Second best of anyone on on this uh this you know selection of players. And he did it in the second fewest or third fewest minutes of any player on this list. 33 minutes a game. You know, you you average that out to what maybe Luca played closer to 38 minutes, or even a guy like DeRozan or Ivy, 40 minutes a game. Mitchell probably would have scored something like 30 points, had six boards, six assists. Um, hugely impressive. And so for the first time in the season, we're going with Donovan Mitchell, um, our week 16 weekly MVP, Donovan Mitchell, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Congratulations, Donovan. Um, you're no stranger to Utah. Of course, if you feel like coming back or if you happen to be on the schedule to come back, uh, later this season, we'd love to have you. Uh, we can talk jazz years if you'd like, but more importantly, we'd just like to give you this weekly MVP, which you've certainly earned and deserve. Um, And otherwise that takes care of our weekly MVP discussion. Let's move into our last segment, our weekly forecast. Again, all the times that I would give for these games are in Eastern standard time. So keep that in mind as you plan your schedule around any potential games you might want to check out. Um, Starting on Tuesday, six games total, a national broadcast doubleheader on TNT, Uh, Takes up two of those games. Firstly, on TNT at 7.30, the Orlando Magic hosts the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then at 10 o'clock, the uh, Phoenix Suns host the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Some great matchups there. Younger, you know, Thunder and Magic, younger teams. And then at 10, the Suns and the Kings, Pacific Division matchup, two of the better teams in the Western Conference. Your remaining games at 7.30, the Brooklyn Nets host the Boston Celtics. At 8 o'clock, the Milwaukee Bucks host the uh, Miami Heat. At 10, the Trailblazers host the Timberwolves, the first of a home-and-home set of the Trailblazers hosting the Timberwolves. And then at 10.30, the Los Angeles Lakers host the Detroit Pistons. Then on Wednesday, 13 total games, an ESPN doubleheader. Take up your two national broadcast games at 7.30. The Cleveland Cavaliers host the Chicago Bulls. And then at 10 o'clock, the Golden State Warriors host the LA Clippers. Warriors-Clippers in particular, very intriguing. A rivalry not too long ago. um, And now teams that have had very different experiences in the season so far. And we'll see who can come out on top in that matchup. Uh, Your remaining games. 
three games at seven o'clock. Sixers host the Heat. Magic hosts the Knicks, and then the Hawks are in Charlotte against the Hornets. Two games at 7.30, Raptors host the Pacers, and then the Nets are in Boston against the Celtics. So home and away set for uh, Nets against the Celtics there. Two games at 8 o'clock, the New Orleans Pelicans host the Washington Wizards, and the Houston Rockets are in Memphis against the Grizzlies. At 8.30, the Dallas Mavericks host the San Antonio Spurs, and then three games at 9 o'clock, Suns host the Pistons, Nuggets host the Kings, and the Utah Jazz host the Los Angeles Lakers. Again, that last game, local access, either Jazz Plus on streaming platforms or uh, K-Jazz on local jazz cable TV networks. Finally, on Thursday, uh, to wrap up regular season games before All-Star Weekend, uh, we have one national broadcast, TNT at 8.30, the Memphis Grizzlies host the Milwaukee Bucks. Two other games that night. At 9 o'clock, the Utah Jazz will host the Golden State Warriors. And then at 10 o'clock, the second of those home-and-home games for the Trailblazers against the Timberwolves in Portland. So those are your regular season games. And then on Friday, the All-Star weekend festivities begin, starting with the All-Star Celebrity Game on ESPN at 7 o'clock, followed by the Rising Stars games, two semifinal games and a championship game on TNT at nine o'clock. So the beginning of all-star weekend, we're very much looking forward to that. And uh, again, a few, few more days of regular season action before that happens. And we have a little bit of a break for the, the few days following all-star weekend. Um, as far as games to that, I'm looking out for this, this next week. Um, again, there's a lot of great ones here. I would probably pick, um, I mean, Kings Nuggets Wednesday night jumps out to me. Um, again, the Jokic Sabonis storyline, we just talked about it this last weekend. Them facing off again, I think would be very intriguing. But then also Warriors Jazz, two teams very close in the Western Conference standings um, to see who could win that type of a game. For me in particular as a Jazz fan, very intrigued with that. So there's your uh, weekday or, or, or weekly forecast rather. Let's go ahead and wrap things up with our This Day in History fact for you. For today's fact, we have a lengthy one, and we're focusing on All-Star Weekend festivities. We're going back to the year 2000, uh, so February 12th of 2000. NBA All-Star Saturday in Oakland had Chicago's Elton Brand winning the Schick Rookie Challenge MVP after finishing with 14 points and 21 rebounds as the 2000 rookies defeated the 1999 rookies 92-81 to 81 in overtime. The Sony All-Star two-ball competition was won by Utah Jazz guard Jeff Hornacek and Utah Stars' Natalie Williams as they edged out Phoenix's Jason Kidd and Jennifer Gillum, 68-61. Uh, interestingly enough, Hornacek carried his hot shooting into the AT&T shootout and became the fourth player in the history of the event to repeat as champion, edging out Dallas's Dirk Nowitzki and Milwaukee's Ray Allen in the final round was a score of 13. Finally, Vince Carter took center stage in the evening's grand finale and turned in an Oscar-worthy performance, capturing the NBA.com slam dunk title. Carter registered three perfect scores of 50 points and distanced himself from a talented collection of high risers, including second-place finisher Steve Francis of Houston and Raptors teammate and cousin Tracy McGrady, uh, who took third. So, again, a, a lengthy list there 
I thought about cropping that, but a lot of notable stuff. Um, again, a good primer for the upcoming All-Star Weekend. And again, a throwback to that iconic Vince Carter dunk contest performance. But otherwise, that takes care of our show today. Again, thank you all for listening, wherever you're listening. We really appreciate it. We, of course, will not have a Wednesday episode as I attempt to, well, a couple of things, attempt to still recover from this bit of sickness. But, of course, it's also Valentine's Day. And I personally have plans on that day. So we'll be back on Friday uh, with uh, a wrap-up of this week of action and a primer for the All-Star Weekend. So definitely tune in to that. Otherwise, thank you all again for listening. And we'll be back with you on Friday.